0: Homestyle Green, episode 133. This week I'm talking with Polly Bart from Green Builders Inc. She builds magic. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Home Style Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. And Polly Bart is someone who literally makes better places to live, despite studying and dedicating a lot of her life uh, to study of architecture and um, urban design. She, as she describes it, loves to get muddy, get her hands dirty and get it, gets out there and her company Green Builders actually builds houses. she's a builder. she's not an architect. So um, I hope you enjoy that and uh, before we get do get into that interview just a quick thanks to ProClimber, who are the sponsors of this show and they can also help you make a better place to live. particularly when it comes to things like airtightness and a, a using a better building envelope, which is very important for keeping wetness out and also letting your house breathe. And if you've got any confusion about why it's good to have air tightness, because it is good, then check out some of the previous shows that we've done where i've described that and if you've got any questions about that also feel free to get in touch you can contact me matthew at homestylegreen.com if you've got any questions about your project or maybe a house that you're looking at uh, particularly if you're here in auckland and you want someone to come along and have a have a bit of a look then i would be more than happy to see if i can help you out there all right i started out by asking polly bart why she does what she does (laughs)
1: Well, I'm so lucky. I adore what I do. It's a wonderful life. And that's a good reason to start with. Definitely. Um, I also, um, you know, I do have a commitment. I started my company in one of those mountaintop moments where you think, okay, what's the best thing I could do now? I want to change my industry. And um, it lets me be part of a community of incredible people around the world who are building new things.
0: What was it that first inspired you to choose architecture as a, a career? Was there a particular moment or did you always like drawing?
1: Well, I was about seven when I did my first House actually, it was an underground house. Yeah. <laughs> it was, of course. It was a you know, for kids and all. Uh, girls don't do that. They don't yeah. do building. So nobody sort of noticed. But I was building things from way back when. And I am a builder and not an architect. I've studied architecture, but I I, I do the construction. I'm a general contractor.
0: So you're you're hands on, you get you get stuck in there. Uh, and you use architects as part of your team.
1: That's true. I do a good deal of the design myself, but I also, uh, yes, architects are totally on the team. And yes, I get muddy. I have yep. people at this point, but I, I definitely am uh, there on site a good bit of the time.
0: And why did you choose to get muddy instead of standing behind <laughs> a door? Behind a drawing board.
1: <laughs> well, because you, Cause you train. I
0: mean, it's it's, it's no sh- small thing to train as an architect. I mean, that's a what a seven year journey.
1: Well, I'm not. Li- I'm not an architect. I studied undergraduate architecture. Yeah. And then I'm my seven years was a doctorate in city planning, which I'm not now using. Um, yeah. So why come out from behind the drawing board? Well, I've never liked being uh, uh, inside. Um, I don't do offices um, right. very well at all. You know, why should I pay for gym membership when I can lift rocks and it's a lot more fun and I can be create, build things.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't understand why everybody doesn't do what I do. It's, it's, yeah, it's so much more fun.
0: And I guess that's a real clue as to you finding your place in the world that, that wonder why. Why doesn't everyone enjoy this as much as I do? And, well, uh, and clearly yeah. the results show it as well.
1: Well, thank you. I do think it is part of when I'm working with clients, you know, one thing I want to do is get them outside more so we connect the indoor-outdoor space, make it easy.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it rare for the builder to be the one who's driving the project rather than the architect?
1: No, at least not here. Um, I... I don't know the percentage but it's not a huge one of architect design in residential in commercial the architect has to be uh on board and in charge but in residential no you do not have to have an architect at all many people don't it's less expensive to do what's what we call design build
0: yeah yeah um before we get into your practice a bit more and and how how you operate um i know that you are big on collaboration so i definitely want to talk about that mm-hmm. um city planning that was that a, uh, a a tangent you you were the third woman to graduate uh with a phd in city planning from from california was it california
1: berkeley yes oh, berkeley
0: um why why city planning what was the attraction there
1: well, I fell in love with the field. I had a very charismatic professor at Harvard on my last year. It was the 1960s. I've been doing this for a while, and city planning was a very exciting field, the Model Cities Program, the Poverty Program. and uh, I, I thought that would be a good way of making change. I learned later, after quite a bit of public policy work, which was frustrating, that when I went into the neighborhoods and renovated five houses on a block, I made change, positive change, much more directly. So it was a better fit for me.
0: So moving rocks is a better way to make change than writing policy.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: It's it's interesting because <laughs> I, I I've attended presentations by planners and pe- by council policy people, and they're inspiring. You know, they have these great ideas about future ways of living but you're right at the end of the day they're not the ones that are going to make the city or make a community they might have some ideas and in some cases there might be some enlightened people in places of power but if you're not in one of those positions of um, having a a portfolio under your direct control then you, you really are just writing policies aren't you
1: Well, that's a very good question. Uh, You know, in most organizations, you're hired to express someone else's ideas, not have your own. That's true in architecture firms too, by the way. Only the people at the top generally get to be really creative. There are people with a gift for organizations, for leading organizations, for policy. I am not one of them.
0: Right. But you've got a PhD. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yes (laughs)
0: i do was going was doing that though helpful for pushing through the tax credits in your area
1: um well yes and it's certainly helpful in in getting inspections i'm uh, often more often than i wish doing the first Example of something in a county, and I have to get the permissions. Having kind of being able to speak from the other side of the desk helps a lot. I have great respect, for example, for building inspectors. I, I can talk their language. I think they do a very important job, so we're friends from the beginning, and that's very helpful.
0: Yeah, because quite often they're seen as the bad guys.
1: And, and that's absolutely not true. No. It's a ch- very challenging job and they do the best they can to it, but they're supposed to protect us and they need, to, they need to, from crazy people like me, and they need to do that.
0: So that is a global issue, dealing with council inspectors and um, people who are gonna come and sign things off from the local authority. What mm-hmm. specifically do you do to have a good relationship with them?
1: Well, I'm totally honest, I never try to hide anything. Um, that doesn't work at all Um, a a good building inspector can walk in and they know you know in two seconds basically what you're doing and how well you're doing it Um, lots of information Um, and thinking about what their job is protect people so how can I help them do their job how can I assure them so for example I'll usually have a letter from a structural engineer if I'm doing anything at all unusual Somebody who's studied the the situation has drawn a, drawn a diagram, advised me. I'm doing what they say. Building officials love that; it takes them off the hook.
0: Yeah, right. So you'll go, you'll make sure you've got that extra evidence, even if they haven't asked for it. Mm-hmm. Or, and try. We and, start there. Yeah, and and try and preempt what they're going to what they're going to ask for before they ask for I it. I
1: wanna I wanna make it very easy you know their job isn't isn't easy to start with and then I'm throwing a bunch of new materials at them it's not easy so if I can and they've got a lot and usually got more to do than they have time to do so if I can make it simpler I do
0: yeah yeah um, I want to come back to the tax credits because you were instrumental in introducing those in your region mm-hmm well, how important it is was, it to yeah. have those tax credits in place to incentivize the market?
1: It's very important if they're, if they're big enough and crafted well enough. In the U.S. now, we have a 30% uncapped tax credit on solar, H, uh, geothermal, and a, a few other things. That's a huge factor. It's probably going to go away in another year or two. If it's less strong than that you know if it's a couple thousand dollars for spending 40 people are not going to do it it doesn't influence them at all but it's an educational kind of thing and people will sit up and notice wow this someone thought this was a very good idea maybe I should look at it.
0: Right so it's as much a marketing tool as it is uh, a financial one?
1: Well an educational tool anyway. Right. I didn't you know do it for it didn't did not reflect didn't affect my business directly because i wasn't doing new construction and that's what the tax credit i worked on mm-hmm. did but it did create you know the idea of the tipping point the 17% uh, when every that many people accept something then it's going to sweep the country kind of thing those tax credits were important for that and they were part of momentum and it set a precedent for a lot of tax credits that were yeah, much stronger financial incentives like the one I just mentioned
0: yeah yeah and with that in mind is does it matter when tax credits go away or is there a danger that they artificially inflate a market say in solar or insulation and then the government changes they they go away and that um suddenly becomes not as financially attractive to put solar on or increase your insulation. Is that a, is that a danger of tax credits?
1: Well, you're kind of asking me policy questions. I may not know the answer to. <laughs> by the way, um, it's a danger if they go away too soon. Yeah, uh, and they often they often do. the 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 big ones I just talked about have had a, enough impact that's definitely going to last. Whether I mean, and maybe they'll keep them in place. There's yeah. some attention to cl- to global warming, which is going to make it harder to say we shouldn't be doing alternative energy sources.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No
1: matter who you are.
0: All right, let's talk about what you really love. <laughs> How? What are the What are the important <laughs> things that people should do if they're looking at doing a a new build or a renovation of a of a home? What are the sort of top three things that you think they should do to get a a good home?
1: Well it's different between a renovation and a and a new home if I mostly am a renovator so if you if I could address that for sure. starters. Yeah absolutely. Well you know often the greenest thing you can do is nothing doing less changing less is can be very green so the first thing and and that's the way that you make green affordable uh, in a renovation is you you really look at your house, you try to learn to love more of what you have. Yeah. And to figure out strategically what change you can do that you'll enjoy so much that the whole house will function differently. I mean, done that over and over and over again. It's really fun to do and it's very affordable. So this is the first thing, love more of what you have. For example, I have a 1996 Camry station wagon that I use for work. It'll carry everything. And there's some pressure to trash the car and buy a Prius. When that first happened, there was a waiting list for Priuses. So what good am I doing the environment by bumping someone else out of a Prius so I can look green? Okay, so change is not always a positive thing. So that's the first thing. The second thing is to um, prepare for a lot more Green doesn't have to cost more, but it's a lot more work up front. You really have—it's the fun part of it, I think. But you know, you have to think about it a lot up front. It's Mm -hmm. new. There, there are very few pat answers or simple solutions. So you got to work at it up front. The good thing is you're only moving a pencil or talking. You haven't spent a penny. You may be paying the people. You know, you may be paying a design team of some sort, but you haven't built a wall that you have to take down. You can change easily at that point. So you got yeah. to think. And yeah. the third thing is, for me, anyhow, to get everyone on the team don't competitively bid. Now, am I giving you too long an answer to this?
0: No, not at all. No. All
1: right, competitive bidding is putting your builder on the other side of a zero sum table. That's not where you want them. You want them working with you to create the best project. So if you're going to do that, you got to pick your builder. Go ahead, interview a bunch of people, figure out who you want to work with, start working with them, and negotiate price as you go. Everybody's ideas, including the subs. I put the kids on the at the table. I just had the client's children choose the color for the laundry room floor or I mean, there was, the parents were there too, yeah. but everybody's ideas count and you get a much better project That's so those would be the, if the, if the three kids, things if
0: the kids like the look at the floor they're less likely to cover it up with all their <laughs> and leave it leave all their stuff all over it
1: kids is one of my things when you renovate a house especially for small children it looms very large for them it can be disturbing yeah. and if you go in there you know i have a pre-construction meeting with the kids where I take in their drawings, and I I help them, you know, orient themselves on it. We play games with that. So that they're part of, it's not so scary, it's not so disruptive. So they know what's going to happen, even if they did not make the choices their parents did, which is usually the the case.
0: Yeah. That's such a great idea. I mean, and do you find, do you find that, I mean, what proportion of your clients have (laughs) kids? I mean, there seems to be so many people that do try to do everything at once. Yeah, raise a family and renovate a home.
1: A lot of my pa- my clients do. That's why they're they suddenly need to. Typically, they love their community, but the house is too small. It needs to be changed or something like that. So yeah, a lot of them do. And you know, those kids remain. You know, I stay connected after the project. It's been a very nice part of my practice.
0: And that connection with the community kind of relates back to your first point there about changing less Uh, a lot of people don't want to change where they live Uh, Mm -hmm. and I've experienced this myself as well when we needed a bigger house when we had our first child um, Mm. we went out looking for houses every time we came back to our little um, closed dead-end street that we that we lived at had a little house on we we thought oh this is this is home Mm. if only we could have a perfect house here then mm-hmm. life would be great and that's ultimately what we ended up doing was extending the house there um, so good I can, for you i can totally see how that happens where you end up with this crazy situation of um a four year old uh, four three or two year old running around uh, a construction site
1: uh-huh and you've never regretted it i assume
0: well because you were, yeah oh, it was okay. a beautiful way. unfortunately we don't live there anymore <laughs> but um because there was an earthquake, but that's a whole other story. Uh, um, You mentioned competitive bidding process and negotiating Mm -hmm. price as you go. Is there not a danger there of escalation?
1: Well, that's what people think, what they're afraid of. And I guess they think, well, if we do a competitive bid, we'll we'll do better. That is not how it works out. if you think about it, you got three builders competing, and they know that the lowest bid or a low bid is going to get them. What are they going to do? Are they going to make less money? Probably not. They're going to give you a little less quality. Is what's going to happen. Yeah. And right. they're also going to if you if you force a builder to come in and and bid on price, um, they're going. Mean, I say this is absolutely true. They're going to make it up on the change orders. Now, I have almost no change orders. The price we've agreed on is the price you will have written the checks for at the end of the project. It's very unusual, um, and you're at the mercy. Okay, you're halfway through, and the builder's coming in with changeover after change order. That's where the slippage is. And you right. avoid that if you make a team in the beginning, and you're all working towards the same goal. Yeah. Now, it forces the client to, it's not that you don't negotiate, you do you're negotiating the whole way on, well, can we have um, you know, something special in our bathroom floor? Will that fit within the pro? I'd negotiate to a number at the beginning. We decide what they want to spend. I tell them if the overall scope will work. And then the whole time through, I'm saying, well, we could do a little more here. We're gonna to have to do a little less there. It's like that.
0: Are your clients always 100% honest with you about their budget at the start?
1: No. <laughs> They're not, which kind of gets them because I spend what they told me they had, yeah, and if they throw something else at me, it's like, well, it's too late, I'm sorry, Got yeah more money, good, save it for your kids' college,
0: <laughs> right, so if if they suddenly come across more, y- you'll say, well, that's that's not in the budget,
1: <laughs> you'll find something else to do with it, yeah, yeah, oh, uh, let's see, how literal is that, um, it doesn't. What happens is in the design discussion that they'll tell me then that I actually have a little more leeway. Usually I try to design the the project a little less than they told me they had to spend anyway. Right. Um so by the end of the design process, people's cards are you have to understand residential builders like me, it's very personal. You know, I and mean, if if they're gonna get a divorce, I know it before they do. Uh. You <laughs> <laughs> you learn everything it's got to be that way it's it's there are very few secrets when you've spent an awful lot of time at someone 's breakfast table um over a few months so by the end of the design process, if you put the builder on the team up front, you have the chance to get acquainted with them to make sure that you can work with them that you're really going to enjoy that yeah and um if there's not trust, I mean my people trust me more than they should. <laughs> It just happens, you know, over the, over that that um, teamwork kind of collaborative thing. You get pretty well acquainted, which is a good thing.
0: How long is your design process? How how long does it take to build that relationship before you actually start getting dirty?
1: Well, it depends how big the project is. Obviously, mostly it depends how uh, my clients are incredibly busy. They're usually two-income families with kids. Yeah. Getting the, yeah. So if they meet with me, I mean, it, it can be a couple months. It can be six months if it's a complicated project and they're not very available. It's usually a little faster for me than it would be with an architect. If you have an architect on a big project, that's going to take a long time. Six months is not unusual. That's always a shock to people, but it's how it turns out. Yeah. If, on the other hand, they're motivated and available, and it's not a huge project then it can be a few weeks
0: four
1: to six four to six meetings
0: yeah now are you your clients are they coming to you because of your 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 name you've got a great url uh, a great name for your for your company do -hmm. you get people who are sustainability minded or do you sometimes have to have that conversation and convince someone to be a bit more resource efficient
1: they usually are contacted me because one of them, at least, is interested in green. Yeah. There, that's there. Sometimes it's just one of them. The other one will be quite upfront that they don't care much. Um. So yeah, I, I get hardly anybody who where both of them say you know we drive Hummers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> when you ha- when you have the two like that, what what are the what are the bigger concerns or what are the bigger priorities other than green?
1: Uh, when you have both of them interested in green or one who uh, is, uh, one When, is when in only one. Oh, the other person? Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, budget's a concern for everybody, of course. Yep. The uh, The other one will just kind of want a nice kitchen or... Um, I, let's see, they, it, it's more sort of function, it's just will it serve me. There's not, the green thing starts normally as some sort of concern for the environment. That's where it starts. The project itself, that's not how green is expressed. I call that philosophical green. It's great to have it there, but the project uh, has to meet a bunch of other goals if it's gonna be a good green project. And I could go through that in a second.
0: Um, yeah, well, tell, tell us about that. What, what, what makes it green?
1: Well, I use the um, U.S. Green Building Council's lead rating system as a f- sort of framework. So mm-hmm. there are five, ar- five areas and you don't hit them all. Uh, the first one is how you treat your site. And the second is water. Uh, that's storm water outside and po- drinking water inside. The third is energy, the one everyone knows about, but it includes insulation and also ventilation. Yep. Because if you do a tight house, you know, and you don't ventilate, you got a problem. The fourth is materials and resources. And the fifth is indoor air quality. So those are really different objectives. And usually people have the theoretical one, but then they also, you know, really love natural materials or they have a chemically sensitive child. Or they're, you know, sometimes all they care about is reducing their BGE, their electric utility bill. Yeah. Again, so the first thing I do in my first meeting is I go through that list and I watch and we talk about it and we see, so what is your green profile? And we design the project for that because then they'll build it. They won't take it out. They won't take out the green.
0: How do you delve into that? How do you really find out how much someone cares about, say, water?
1: Well, if they have any concern with that, then my job is to develop that Mm -hmm. and to help them to make it real and to connect it with, you know, to add value, to make it be beautiful, to... For example, if they have kids or if their master bedroom looks out onto the roof of the addition we're about to do, well, then we do a green roof because you'll be able to see it if they like plants. If they don't, we don't do that. My job is to pull that interest into a practical uh make it you know greener develop that as far as we can yeah. that they're comfortable with and keep their risks down you never want to try too much that's new in the same project
0: yeah yeah i really like your video on your introductory video on your website i like it because it's it's great quality it's easy to watch but it you get a sense that of that team that you've built. Um, it, mm. it just comes. It's very genuine that people enjoy you. They love working with you, <laughs> um, and and it just. I mean, the the venue is fantastic as well. It's just. A, a, I want to go and visit that house because it, it just feels. <laughs> it feels so welcoming and and comfortable, even just um, just by looking at it. Um, mm, so I, I encourage you. people to go and, and have a look at that. Um, but I imagine that that is the sense of your the team that you've created. H- how often do you have to go and find new people? or Do you use the same team now generally?
1: No, I'm constantly um, shifting that. Some people, oh gosh, I connected with the grandson of somebody that <laughs> I once worked with. So some people, there have been a long 20, 25 year relationship. Yeah but other people I haven't met yet and I'm looking for them.
0: Right. Nice. And I guess it depends a little bit on on how where exactly you're you're building how, how far do you extend out from from Baltimore?
1: Well, that's also true. I try to stay within an hour of where I now live, which includes a pretty big area, but I do need team members who are north of here and south of here so that they won't have to drive too far.
0: Yeah. So if you're in that region at all, how can people find you and, uh, and connect with you?
1: The easiest way is the website, com, and you can email me off of that, which is very easy to do. Yeah. Or P- pbart at greenbuilders, or there's a phone number, um, 410-472-7072.
0: I imagine with the, the quality in your reputation that you're, you're fairly busy, but are, are you taking on new projects all the time?
1: I am absolutely love to do new projects and yes, things are, are active right now, which I'm very happy about. It seems to be growing a bit. That's more a reflection on green than me. Um, it hasn't just taken off, but there is a little bit of growth in the interest in green. And I hope it will take off. I desperately hope that.
0: When you, most people... Yeah, and, and putting, putting hopes aside, what mm-hmm. do you think will happen in the next five years in, in terms of green building?
1: Well, the, the click is that the, a renovation or a new construction is about a hundred times bigger impact than you will ever have on the environment than anything else you'll do including buying a car and I think as people understand that and I think that will happen I think that residential commercial greens commercial has already gone green Mm. commercial uh, industrial institutional all those they're green schools are green I think that'll flip over and residential will also, it'll be the way that we do things. I really think that probably will happen within five years.
0: Nice. That's so you're, certainly So you're, you're in a good position, in a good industry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's hope. Yes, awesome. I, I think so. I think so, thank you. Thank
0: you very much, Polly. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I I will put the links up so that people can go and look at your site. You've got some beautiful images down. Of course, that video as well that they can check out. And uh, if they they are in your area, I'll encourage them to get in touch.
1: I appreciate that, and I've enjoyed talking with you too.
0: Thank you very much, Polly. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Polly Bart from Green Builders, Inc., Uh, Great to meet inspirational people, in particular inspirational women like that in the building industry. Um, Love uh, to hear your feedback and also get some engagement on the website. Check out the website, by the way. Uh, Had a bit of an update last week. Um, Got some uh, new um, services, I guess, highlighted on there. In particular... Uh, house planning reviews which I've done a few of these now and I love doing them and people have found them very useful as well. Um, Whether you're just starting out doing a bit of a scoping exercise or you might even have uh, some fairly developed plans with your architect and um, I, I know this from when we've done a renovation that it's great to have somebody else look over those plans. You really want to get them Um, reviewed by as many people as you can because people come up with all sorts of different ideas. Primarily though, I like to look at plans with my building science hat on and I'm looking really at how can you make it so it's going to be efficient and healthy and is it really going to achieve what you want it to achieve? Is anything been missed or uh, you, you don't want to have any regrets when you get to the end point or you're seeing the framing go up and say like, oh gee we should have uh did we really want this window here or should we have up the windows all those sorts of things so i've got the house planning review service uh you can check that out there's some information over at homestylegreen.com and there's some uh, other bits and pieces on there that are new as well and i'd love to get your feedback on that and this show if you do like this show also head over to itunes leave a quick rating or review over there it'd be fantastic Thank you very much for tuning in. Now go make a better place to live.